0: Welcome to the Heart of the Matter podcast, where we talk about scripture, theology, and anything relating to God in a loving conversation, and where we try to get to the heart of the matter. Welcome to the Heart of the Matter podcast with your hosts, Josh Hellman, John Vandaloo, and Mark Baumgartner. Happy to be back for another episode. Um, this has been a delight so far. I've gotten to know you guys a little bit more, and um, it's pretty exciting. Um, you know, telling testimony. We were just uh, talking about the power of testimony and uh, get to share mine tonight. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been been a blessing to get to hear both of you guys' story and get to know you more. Um, so, um, yeah, we just uh, had a conversation about, overcoming Satan with the blood and, uh, and testimony, John, you know, that first the blood of the,
1: by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. There, there it
0: is. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, a little nervous to share. I, I I was thinking on the way in today, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's actually a little bit harder than you think. Um, you know, sharing your testimony person to person is kind of a different animal Mm. than, uh, sharing it over a live or recorded broadcast. Um, so, uh, just got kind of those butterflies in my stomach, um, you know, a couple hours before out of nowhere, just like, Oh, Hey, yeah, I get to share my story to the masses. Um, hopefully, hopefully the masses, you know, (laughs) I want, this to uh, resonate with people, but, um, yeah, so like uh anything before we get started on my testimony that's going on in your guys' life or anything? Well, I think that like
1: you talking about <clears throat> you know getting butterflies and that that feeling like it's just an interesting it's just an interesting dynamic knowing cuz you want to like you want to include as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And you, and you're like, it's like telling a story. It's like getting ready to write a book or something, yeah. you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, I don't have the experience doing that. So, <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta try and think back and be like kind of narrative with it. Um, but yeah, you know, we just, we just prayed together and, you know, just prayed for Holy Spirit to come through. Um, just yeah. let, let him move in it. And, uh, I'm, I'm very excited to hear it. And, uh, I know that there's others out there listening that will as well. Hopefully somebody's got to be. Someone out there, you know.
0: (laughs) know, Yeah. Uh, Mark? Yeah, I'd say just on the other end of it, you know, last week I shared my testimony and I'd say coming off that evening, there's a spiritual high, you know, there's freedom that comes in sharing your testimony, right? There's, you're, you're releasing things, you're releasing these little chains and bondages. Um, So if that's encouragement at all, you know, yeah. to recognize that yeah. there's freedom that comes on the other side um and not to mention yeah the blessing of all you guys potentially getting revelation on um yeah yeah, yeah. no, I'm, uh, I'm excited. I, I was like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to tell my testimony. Like I said, and then all of a sudden it got to the day, and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. what if I screw up? And I was like, it's my story. How can I screw up my story? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm the one, <laughs> you know. I, so, um, yeah, just a little bit about myself uh, to start off. I um, was born in South Bend, Indiana, so go Irish for those of you who know where South Bend is. I am not Catholic. Uh, But every time I say go Irish because it is a Catholic school, everyone's like, oh, you must be Catholic. And I'm like, no, I just, just like Notre Dame, grew up around the area. Um, I have an older brother, um, a younger sister, and a younger brother. Um, I love sports. Uh, Don't like them as much anymore, but I still still like baseball as my favorite sport. Um, Go Cubs. That
1: says a lot about you, Josh. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a Chicago uh, first fan, so I get a lot of grief up here, as we talked about last week, uh, with you know being a Bears fan and stuff. But it's okay because I have to deal with my teens not being the best all the time. So at least my Cubs uh, won the World Series here. I got to see that, so that that's pretty cool. I, I prayed for that in my <laughs> naivety as a Christian. <laughs> you know, hey God, if I could see one thing in sports, it'd be to see the Cubs win the World Series. So um right now i don't know if they're going to this year but uh, that was pretty cool um but i you know i played sports growing up my whole life uh baseball um tennis and we'll get into that a little bit in my testimony later on um obviously i love talking theology and politics um i'm trying to keep out of the politics realm much more so now um just cuz god's working in me in that to to make sure my heart is focused on the right thing. Um, so, yeah, I uh, love talking about God and stuff. All the things that they tell you not to talk about with family and dinners and, that's like, the, at, your... at work. I love talking about that <laughs> stuff. And uh, then uh, the world has kind of turned that on us. It's, it's, it's like the most important things to talk about, you know, where where's your eternity placed? Uh, you know, what do you believe in and stuff? Uh, you know, I, I just think it's important. That's how you get to really know people, you know. Yeah. Um, so, and then, uh, I have, a, a beautiful, lovely wife, um, and now two kids. So, um, which is crazy to think about, and we'll get into that later on too. Um, and the last thing I can say about myself is I've always said I'm a goofball for Jesus. <laughs> um, that was like one of my taglines when, uh, Zanga or like early Facebook was on there. That was my... Description of myself, you know, I'm a goofball for Jesus. So it's, um, hopefully, you know, hopefully I still ain't no. <laughs> Yeah, I am. So, um, so, yeah, we'll get into a little bit about. Like I said, I was born in South Bend, Indiana. Um, come from a broken family. My mom and dad divorced when I was about one. Um, and they both remarried, I think, very shortly after, like a year or two, um, right after that. Um, they're, you know, they kind of broke up from those families and stuff, but you no, know, I that that's kind of my background with my family is, um, you know, broken family from, you know, one year old. Didn't really, I think, necessarily affect me directly because I was so young that I just remember, you know, going back and forth from mom and dad when I was young. Um, I think that played more of an effect on my my brother because he was a couple years older than me, mm. um, but I do believe that you know that broken family did affect me later on as I kind of identified some things in my life. Um, it was just like not something at the forefront of my mind back then, and when I was a kid, all the way up until probably my college years, and when I started thinking through a bunch of this stuff. Um. Never really knew my extended family too well. I think when I was really young, we used to have some family get-togethers. Um, we'd go over to, like, my grandparents' house and stuff. Um, but for the most part, it, it was really hanging out with a couple grandparents, um, you know, st- sticking to our house. You know, maybe my mom's sister's couple aunts and stuff. But, um, I, you know getting to know uh, a lot of people's families and seeing how big they are and that people are always having, like, their cousins and second cousins over and all this stuff. That was not really us. Uh, growing up, we just kind of went about and did our thing. And it um, wasn't that we didn't have any connection whatsoever, but um, that is something I noticed. We weren't necessarily this close-knit type family. I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> Very similar, yeah. Like, my, my cousins are <clears> – <throat> I
1: got some cousins that live down in Texas. We never really get to see them much. Yeah. That's pretty much it on my mom's side. And then my dad's side, you know, they live four hours away. We visit them once a year or so. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are way older than me too. So like I, I didn't have much of a relationship with any of them. So yeah, I can relate. Yeah.
0: yeah, It's, it's something that, you know, I've um, always wanted was like this uh, connected family, um, you know, and Again, I'll say this is nothing against any of my family members or my, you know, loved ones and friends. This is just how life sometimes happens and things you got to deal with. But it, it's just something that I always noticed was, you know, our family wasn't necessarily the closest. Again, not that we weren't close. It just um, there were things that it felt like um, looking at other families and stuff and not trying to compare, but that there were like a lot, they'd they'd always have these big meals with all their family and stuff. And that was something that I always kind of craved to have was like this really connected family where every Thanksgiving, every Christmas we're spending together and stuff. And, um, you know, we had, we had Thanksgiving meals and stuff, but, um, yeah, it's just, uh, that broken family and stuff was, like I said, something that kind of, um, resonated more with me later on down the line. Mm. Um, you know, So growing up in that broken household, I think you have, like, uh, a lot of the similar things that probably any broken household had, um, you know, which is parents kind of fighting over different things. Um, so getting to be in the middle of that, and like I said, I was kind of younger than my brother, and so he, I feel like he had to kind of deal with that a little bit more. But, you know, you could just kind of hear the yelling back and forth sometimes, and, you know, broken relationships tend to bring out you know, broken things and people. And, um, so, you know, grew up with that, uh, as my background. Um, do you keep saying broken relationship? At what point did you realize that you were the product or you were part of a broken relationship? Cause I imagine when it's your reality, it doesn't feel broken. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I just use that as the term that the culture uses for, you know, divorced family, um, broken home. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably, I I realized that they weren't together when I was young because they lived in different houses, but me being young and naive, I didn't know exactly what that meant. Um, So I think it was something that, like I said, I just kind of, that's how I grew up. You know, I went to dad's on the, every other weekend and I was with my mom and my stepdad for the rest of the week. Just the norm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got two Christmases and two birthdays and stuff like, so I was like, oh, okay, you know, like, um, but it wasn't like later on until I kind of started thinking through things and, and kind of seeing things in my life come out that, um, was maybe like a direct result of, of the, that kind of relationship and, and, and what had happened back then, um, the brokenness, you know, when, when something breaks, like a piece of glass, it doesn't tend to have one crack and it. It mm-hmm. usually shatters. And so that crack is going to eventually lead to another crack. And mm-hmm. and sometimes that ends up um, bleeding over into other people's lives. Because when you make decisions and do things in, in your life, you're going to affect someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that wasn't something I kind of realized until, like I said, later on in life. Mm-hmm. Um one thing I do remember too, is that most of the people, so I'm not like really singling anybody out, but most of the people, um, my parents kind of had a, a hothead when I was younger too. So, you know, I had the, the, the divorce relationship, but then you have a, a stepdad, um, and a stepmom too. And just, you know, dealing with that incorporation into it. And, um, you know, my stepdad, I, I love him, you know, he's up in heaven right now. Um, he, he had quite a temper when he was younger um, so there's some goofy stories I could share about that and people would probably call it child <laughs> abuse nowadays but it was just you know getting <laughs> getting a belt to the to the you know to the butt and, and stuff and different things um, but uh, you know God did a work in, in my stepdad and um, you know he he's a great person outdoorsman and everything. Um, actually I think his, uh, you know, his yearly pass away date just actually went by. So, um, you know, that's always kind of a a hard thing because it's someone you grew up with. He was basically a a second dad to me and my brother. Um, so yeah, you got this other relationships that come in with the, with the broken families and remarriage. So then there was that kind of, um, different view on things, um, so as I like to say that my parents could really put the fear of God into us, a, a more political way of saying, you know, like we, we really, at least for me, I feel like, you know, when my parents were like, Hey, do this, I was like a very, Oh, okay. You know, I'm, I'm scared of my parents. You know, they, I, I understood authority. Mm-hmm. Um, they put that into me. Um, so, but there was also too, like a dynamic when I was younger of, uh, as I was kind of going through school and doing things that um, I never kind of quite felt um, good enough. Um, so something like uh, that kind of was built up in me and I don't think it was, this was the intention of anyone, but it was just kind of something that happened was like anytime I would kind of come home with like grades or I would do something. Um, I never felt I got like, really that much affirmation Hmm. um and again this isn't to attack any of my family members or anything but uh you know they instilled in me this desire to want to do better which is is always a good thing to have a strive to to make sure that we're trying to do our best and everything Hmm. unfortunately sometimes if you don't back that up with hey, you did a good job this, or hey, I saw you did this, and that was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was just always, you know, what what is the next thing to do? What is the, you know, what did you do wrong? So uh, there was a lot of focus on, you know, don't do this, you're wrong. And as a parent, I, you know, I, I, I hesitate to do those things with my kids because I could see like a lot of, no, don't do that, don't do that, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's important to tell your kids not to do things, but, uh, you know, that's something that kind of later in life brought this, um, perfectionism within myself, um, out and we'll kind of deal with that as we go on my testimony to mm. trying to set the stage for of how my, you know, my foundation of where I come from and what I dealt with is, um, so my, one of the nice things about my family is they love to be outdoors, love to travel. Um, so that's something within, that's within me. I just never seem to have the money to do it, but I love traveling. Um, you know, I've been to Alaska, Jamaica, South Dakota, um, Oregon, moved around a lot. Um, haven't gotten to travel as much as I wanted to, but, you know, being in God's splendor and glory, it's, it's just amazing to get to see a sunrise sitting on a mountain when you can see Mount Rushmore on one side and you see the sun coming up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was telling you guys I had communion one time uh, with a guy eating Doritos and drinking pineapple juice while we're watching the sunrise. And, you know, Mount Rushmore is right behind you, uh, awesome. you know, so I love that kind of stuff. Love hiking. Um, when I say outdoorsy guy, like my, my stepdad and mom love to fish Uh, My my stepdad, he was like the outdoorsman guy. Loved to hunt, loved to do all that stuff. My dad loved to drive. Um, And so that that was just something that got incorporated in in me, Um, especially going back and forth between my dad's place and my mom's place. My dad moved like about 45 minutes away. So it's like every other weekend we're driving 45 minutes there, 45 minutes back. Um, My family loved to travel. So it just... Something that got instilled in me when I was young, love being on the road every once in a while. It just calls like right mm-hmm. now I've been on this desire to go back out West and see some mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get to see those Rockies and it's just like, oh man, it's so cool. The Alaska mm-hmm. Rockies, which are even bigger, um, <laughs> it, it, you know, got to drive up there, seven day drive from Indiana with the stops I took and just to get to see the countryside and Canada and stuff. It was awesome. Mm. Um, longest three days of my life driving through Canada, but uh, <laughs> it was it was pretty cool, some of the things I got to see. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of the basis of before I got into school. So I get into school. Um, can remember when I was really young that even before I got into school, sp- really into school i had crushes on girls and stuff like i remember my brother even teasing me um like way back when uh there was this girl that i really enjoyed her company when i was really little and my brother and his friends were just making fun of me and so i got really shy about it you know i was i was pretty shy kid for most of my life and that might that might shock some people that know me um if they're listening to this but um I was shy really up until college Um, and then, uh, you know, even kindergarten, first grade and stuff had a a couple girls that, you know, I was interested in. I just always had wanted like a a, a wife and a family, even from the youngest time. Like I I can explicitly remember that like in second grade, just wanting, uh, you know, a wife and a family. Um, So that was kind of a desire that was early, early on in my life. Um never was really a popular kid. so I, I always liked to have affirmation and was seeking after affirmation in my life, but um, could never seem to find it like I I had friends, you know, but um always seemed like I was the kid that would get made fun of and stuff not like the worst kid to, to get made fun of but, um, just always kind of seemed like I was like a mediocre person. I wasn't, I was just average, wasn't like this uh, necessarily an a ex, excelling athlete or an excelling student, but I was like the, the B student. I was the B athlete, you know, I was the B um, person. So, uh, you know, was was a good student, was a good athlete, but wasn't necessarily like the LeBron James of, the basketball team in fourth grade or anything <laughs> like that. Again, um, baseball was my biggest thing. So let's say I wasn't like the um, let's see, the Ryan Sandberg or something to take a, a Cub guy. Um, but anyways, so, yeah, wasn't really popular kid. Um, didn't really go to church on a regular basis. Um, we kind of went here and there, I remember, but uh, never really was at a certain church until about until I was about 17. Um, but I always knew that God existed. It's something again, just like with wanting a family at a young age and stuff it was just something I always knew God existed and I knew like from a young age that Christ was the way. like I, I just knew that. And, um, but it wasn't something that I necessarily, um, stepped into until, like, until I was a teenager, um, you know, late teenager. Um, I remember even having conversations in elementary, I think, with a kid about, uh, about God and believing in Christ. And I didn't really like, I wasn't like living for christ necessarily at that time i you know i I hadn't taken that step of here's my life i lay it down before you i repent you're know we not
1: able to do it at that age yet though Mm -hmm. i don't well depending on what you're talking about i was going to ask you though you know when did that where did where did jesus do you know where like your first ever like time hearing about jesus came from maybe Mm -hmm. as a young child (laughs) no i like i mean i I guess like culturally like Especially that what nineties or you know the mm. early nineties mid nineties yeah like that time period in America was a
0: little different too yeah I th- <clears throat> like I said I think it probably was at one of the one or two of the churches that we had maybe attended here and there um, it could have come up because of just people around me family members and stuff talking about it mm. um, but I just always that was just kind of always instilled in me at a young age I just know that like. My childhood is very hazy. I don't remember things necessarily as good as, like, my brother knows certain things that happen. Um, You know, I'll be telling a story, and he'll be like, no, that wasn't you. That that (laughs) happened to me. Like, so, um, like, there's a story about, I think, us throwing rocks at a beehive because we're kids, right? And throwing rocks at beehives. Cool, you got to hit the beehive. And uh, I remember that... Someone hit the beehive, and then my brother and his friends ran into the sliding glass door <laughs> and me, locked me outside. And I got stung in the in the shoulder. But I think he thinks that it happened to him. But I, I can't remember That's either. Or, but I I, <laughs> I, 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 re, I almost explicitly remember that I had the bee sting in my shoulder. But maybe bee I, sting.
1: Yeah I, yeah I threw a hammer into a
0: beehive once oh
1: my gosh. <laughs> and I, I, it was a big one too yeah. you know, like like three footballs, you know like a oh big beehive and i threw the hammer right up in there and i booked it you know and i left it slay for like i don't know like half hour hour and mm-hmm. i went back to go grab that hammer bad idea <laughs> it was a bad idea to go grab that hammer oh my yeah. gosh and uh You know, funny enough, it was like mid-July or something, and Mm. I was just at Noah's Ark in the Wisconsin Dells, and I had Mm. terrible, terrible sunburn all over my back. Because I'm a ginger and I get and I get tinned, I get sunburned super easy. And I so, and they are like wasps, just all over my back, just stinging me over and over again. Like I could, I like turn and look, like and I could see it, you know. And it was just stabbing me over and over. And I was like, ah! oh. and I come flying into my back door, and my dad, he's like doing the dishes, you know. And I'm like, I slid into the house, and bees just go all over the kitchen because they were all over, they were all over my shirt. Oh. So I had to like pull my. My dad's like. Whoa!
0: <laughs>
1: just, I, I, now, now, <laughs> just thinking like i have kids now and i just couldn't. I, <laughs> you know? my dad was so patient with us i'll just say that my dad was so patient with us and i couldn't even imagine like just turning and looking and just bees just everywhere
0: all of a sudden
1: it, we took care of it we took care of it it wasn't it wasn't the end of the day there was like 12 or 13 that were flying around but
0: it is All amazing the that my the
1: dichotomy of
0: when you are a kid and now as a, if you become a parent, you start to look back and say, oh, okay, I understand a little bit of my parents' frustrations yeah. and stuff with this. But, uh, yeah, so uh, needless to say, me and my brother had kind of a typical, uh, I think, brotherly relationship. You know, the um, we'll always love each other no matter what, but we would fight each other just as much, you know, so... Um, we were both headstrong, um, but he, he was always someone I, I did look up to. Um, strangely enough, like I, it was something I realized I I had a question in an interview. I think it was for TSA and they had asked me, you know, like, you know, who do you look up to? And I just kind of sat there and thought, you know, and as a Christian, like I obviously look up to Jesus and stuff, but, you know, thinking more in an earthly sense, who you look up to and he was like the first person that came to mind because he, you know, he went to the military now he's a police officer. Um, And and just to do something like that, to put his life on the line for his country and for his family. And then, you know, now to to serve and protect the people around um, him and stuff. And um, yeah, so it's a hard line of work, especially now in today's culture with, um, the attacks on that and everything, and uh, that's something we could get into later on. But, uh, you know, we we had, uh, you know, a brotherly relationship. It, he, he He's probably the strongest relationship um, that I have out of my family, especially with my, my siblings, you know. Uh, he lives up in Alaska now, so um, I'm not going to give out two more personal information. I don't want anybody <laughs> going. go. Here's to, the address,
1: <laughs> yes.
0: five, 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 you know, lane. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, so getting back to, um, probably brings us up into, to high school years. You know, like I said, I love baseball, wasn't a popular kid that kind of bled into my baseball career because, um, freshman year of baseball, I was on the JV team and, uh, me and my group of friends, uh, never really got to start or regularly play play um in the jv but the weird thing was a lot of us were better or just as good as some of the, the players that they had um but all of the players that ended up playing together they knew each other were each other's friends and they were the popular kids and one of the coaches that we had at the time was like one of the guys girlfriend's friends dad and stuff so um it's funny, like the assistant coach really liked us, and he could he tried to put us in any chance he got um, but again, it was one of those things something I love baseball um, didn't quite work out, never thought I got it, the the right uh, chance and stuff, looking back on it, maybe there were some things I could have done, maybe that you know I could have tried out again and stuff, but I kind of took that as I didn't get my shot at baseball. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of done with it, washed my hands of that, and then started playing tennis, um, where developed playing tennis, um, into a, again, would probably say mediocre, um, tennis player. Wasn't like Andre Agassi or Pete Sampras, for those of you who know, (laughs) tennis players, um, (laughs) in the nineties, those were the big guys, um, my favorite tennis players, um, so and John from, McEnroe, that's... A, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, um for <laughs> contemporary tennis followers, Roger Federer or something. I, I wasn't anything like that, not even close. I uh, wasn't even... Uh, wasn't anywhere near like a being able to make it on like a Notre Dame, like a college team. Tennis something. is hard. Mm-hmm. I was it more is. of a ping pong. Ping pong. I got
1: really the ping pong. Tennis, no way. Ping yeah. pong is hard too though, to be fair. Yeah,
0: yeah depending on who you're playing. Not,
1: not, for, <laughs> not for cardio.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, I got pretty sweaty playing ping pong yeah, with the guy I knew from Cambodia. Fair Ooh, enough. We, but, <laughs> we got into some four hour long ping pong <laughs> matches. Like those videos of guys you see like ten feet behind the ping pong thing. I would be running because that guy was just so good at hitting the ball. Um, Wanton, that was his name, man. He just he could crush the ball. Um, <laughs> even some of the guys in uh, on my tennis team at college that they were um, they were good at, at playing and just they loved to run me all over the, the, the even the ping pong court. So, <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. So in, in high school, I started playing uh, tennis. Um, I love tennis. I I always say I have a love-hate relationship with tennis because I love tennis, but tennis hated me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, like, I I gave my all the tennis. And then um, my senior year, uh, I was kind of on track to be the number one player uh, in singles. And I had beat the guy that was being considered other than me. So I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I I, I, I should be getting this spot. I, I put in my time over the summer. This guy's not doing that. Like I'm out here extra playing with people, you know, just putting all, all forth all my stuff. So I was like, you know, this, this is going to be, a, I'll, I'll get to be one singles, which is for those of you who don't know, and you play team sports and tennis, you have uh, like how our setup was, was you had five singles and three doubles teams. So one singles is like the first, your, your top singles player. And then your fifth guy would be, like, your fifth top player. Um, and then if you had any extra guys, those were usually your JV guys. And the same with doubles. One doubles was your top two doubles players. So I thought, okay, you know, I'm going to – this is going to happen. It, you know, built up to my senior year. Um, my coach, me and him kind of had a rough relationship. Um, he th- thought I was – full of myself, I guess, because I tried to implement the professionals that I had seen on TV. I was like, oh, man, they're professionals. They know what they're doing. So I'm going to watch them and try to implement that stuff into my game. Um, He took that for some reason as a sign that I was trying to be arrogant, uh, because I remember him specifically telling me that one day, like, you know, that I have, I can't say these words. They're not (laughs) very Christian. Uh, But basically what ended up happening is he said that he was going to put me at two and he was going to put this other guy at one who, again, I don't begrudge this other guy. He's a really nice guy. Um, I like him. Um, I haven't really talked to him too much after high school, but I talked to him a couple times. He's a really good guy. Um, so it, it, again, it was another shot to me that here was an opportunity for me and someone decided not to take that chance on me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it seemed like my game was on an uptick. Like, I I was just like, all right, I'm just overcoming all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, I had this mental block in my head. The rest of that tennis year, like, I wasn't ever going to make it. Like, I lost my first tennis match, tried to talk to my coach, and the encouragement he gave me was basically that he had given up on (laughs) me. Jeez. Mm -hmm. That was literally, like, I remember him telling me, he's like, I – there's nothing I can do for you or something like after the first or second match. Hmm. Um, and so from that point on, I was like, I was like, what am I supposed to do then? He's basically told me he's hands off on me. Um, and the rest of the season, like most of the time, anytime I wanted to talk to him, get his advice on stuff, he, he really did. It was like, he was kind of focused on people who were um, next in line to say, or, or whatever. So that kind of, you know, was personal to me not again that i hold this against him i i i've forgiven him for that myself and stuff like this um, was senior year yeah that was my senior yeah, year. yeah and
1: that makes sense you know
0: when i was yeah. a senior you know we get really
1: emotionally attached to like you know that's like you know those are those years where we're, we're trying to prove ourselves we're trying to figure out who we are as individuals mm-hmm. um You know, I was like really big. I remember having an argument with my dad about basketball at that time. And I, you know, I didn't go to no big school or anything. I I played Mm. for a Christian school, small Christian school. You know, I ain't going, I ain't going to the pros. You know, (laughs) but I was playing like six hours a day at the park. You know, and it's like at that time, it was a passion of mine. I wanted to be Mm. good. I wanted to. Who knows? Maybe I will do something with it. Maybe I'll be a walk on somewhere, and I'll and I'll get a chance. And my dad's like, "You need to be doing your homework." And I was like, "What if?" You know, I just remember it's like one of the few. Shouting arguments I ever had with my dad was about basketball. (laughs) You know, it's like looking back now. You know, it's like I haven't even touched a basketball in like Mm -hmm. ten years. You know, so it's funny how how the emotional charges that we feel when we're at that those ages, and then Mm -hmm. where your life goes, and then now you look back at it. You know, Mm -hmm. just anyway, that's what I was feeling Mm -hmm. when you were talking about that Mm -hmm. because I've had similar experience. You know, similar scenarios like that. Mm -hmm.
0: And and if anyone thinks I'm. Not being honest with myself, like I was a hothead when I was a tennis player. Like I broke rackets, I you know threw my racket. I was John Hackett, right? <laughs> so like, uh, but you know that that's something I kind of dealt with because I, I didn't like failure because of that perfectionism that was kind of instilled in me. So anytime I messed up, I didn't like that. Uh, you know, one of my family members they, they came to my first match and. They had never played a lick of tennis in their life, and they're kind of saying things to me like things I should do and stuff, and I, I basically turned around and told them to shut up because mm-hmm. they didn't know what they were talking about, and they never came back to one of my tennis <laughs> matches again. Oh, so um, I will say it is something that basically I was almost on my own. I, I did it myself. Like um, my family never really came and watched me. Um, it was, again, not to begrudge anybody in my family. It's just that yeah, – it wasn't a big thing. Tennis wasn't a big thing to my family. It was to me, um, and then of course, like I said, I, I told the one person to shut up, and I, I cannot I see why they didn't want to come back. But you know, I wanted encouragement. Wanted people to be there to kind of cheer me on, uh, not to give me more criticism. Um, and so that was that was kind of hard because like almost any match I had. I didn't really have anybody there uh, supporting me, especially in, in college. Like, I went to college, and um, like I said, I know I wasn't good enough to play on, like, a collegiate team. I did play on a collegiate team, but what I'm talking about is, like, uh, I played for a Christian college, which not to say that there aren't great players because there are tons of great players at Christian colleges, but the level of play from Christian college to, like, Division One men's Teams, if you go and look at the one singles players on uh, a college team for Christian, and like you go to like a NCAA one division and you see those players hitting back and forth, you can't even keep your head up to them hitting just pow, 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 pow. Because uh, I think we got to see Ohio State and Iowa play a match against each other. And I'm just like, I don't know how you guys can hit perfect shots to each other and then return those shots like every single time so it was just amazing um so again uh, that was something else that was instilled in me so here i am i don't really have a a support system behind this you know uh, my dad worked nights so it was hard for him to get out um so and it's just like i said my family didn't really think tennis is this big thing we were a baseball family first i was uh, um you know, if I was a football player, it might have be, been different too because, you know, they understood football. And then basketball never really worked out for me as well either. Um, I just fell out of love with basketball in junior high. I didn't like that. <laughs> so too much uh, exasperation on the lungs. Uh, <laughs> so, um, But, yeah, so that kind of – I even went back to my tennis coach, kind of going back to that. I even remember I tried to – Let him know like his kind of impact on me. There was a point in my life where I was kind of going back to some of the people in my past, letting them know I had forgiven them for things. Um, and he kind of basically slapped me in the face with that too. And just kind of said, yeah, you, you were like a troublesome person or something like that. Um, and I know that I wasn't, like, a perfect kid, but honestly, compared to some of the kids that were on the team, I don't know how I could have been such a terror, mm-hmm. um, you know. So, but it, it is what it is, That is. J- I'm just laying this out to kind of show people, again, the foundation of the struggles I've had in my, my life. Mm-hmm. Um, Taking a pause. So... Senior year, still trying to fight my way through singles. Um, Towards the end of the year, he basically put me at one doubles with um, one of these guys that he ended up basically becoming my best friend. Like, he's, to this day, the guy that I've known the longest, who's been my friend for the longest, uh, my best man at my wedding, Bill. I'll give you a shout-out. He... Uh so I, I wanted to be a singles player. That's the thing, you know, in tennis. It's all about you. It's all about um, being the best it, it, one-on-one, uh, overcoming it. So I, I just always thought I needed to prove myself. And so when that didn't happen, um, I got moved to doubles. I kind of thought of it as a, a downgrade. Um, and the first match me and my friend uh, played we hated each other. We were like, he even literally went over to the coach and was like, I don't want to play with this guy. And I went over to the coach. and was like, I don't want to play with this guy because of his attitude. <laughs> and so he just told us to get over it. And uh, we did. And we actually ended up being uh, a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of have some inside jokes still. Um, yeah. He calls me one of certain songs on the radio and, um, all the time and, and vice versa. But uh, it, it just ended up being one of these weird things that I think God uh, brought together. Um, you know, he was act, I was actually the first person he met in junior high. He even told me that, that he had moved to the school district and um, I was just sitting there and in my which was weird for me because I was really shy, but I introduced myself to him and was like, "Hey, you know, want to have a friend or basically something <laughs> yeah. like that?" And uh, so he thought I was like cuckoo, but ended up we ended up becoming <laughs> best friends. So um, it's amazing what God does. Um, so yeah, ended up having a, a decent career with him. We went undefeated in the regular season, and the only times that we lost were in the conference championship finals, and then in our regional. Um, regional game senior year and that was kind of a bitter pill to swallow because I thought I was probably done with tennis there um, and then also in high school again trying to find the affirmation and wanting to have a family with a wife um, this created this desire in me to find a girlfriend um, spoil, spoiler alert, I never had a girlfriend in high school. Um, so it never came uh, to play. So I have these feelings of um, affirmation, and I don't feel like I'm being affirmed. I have these uh, feelings of wanting to succeed and prove myself, and those don't feel like those are happening. I have these feelings of wanting to try to prove myself, but it feels like people aren't taking the chance on me. And I have these Feelings of perfectionism and, um, you know, I'm messing up and stuff. Um, I, I should also mention that when I was around my teenage years, I got introduced to pornography. Mm. Um, I've, this is an important part of my story, so I should probably reference that. Mm. Um, so, you know, you match this up with I know it's wrong to, to kind of look at, at porn and stuff. And so that perfectionism kind of made me feel like I wasn't living up to the value, um, which is perfect. being perfect, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so get to my senior year of high school, um, you know, junior year, about I was about 17, started going back to church. Uh, I, I went to a youth group activity, and at the end of that, uh, the youth pastor brought me over and was like, hey, have you ever dedicated your life to, to God, you know? And I told him even there I was like yeah, I, I I believe that God exists I believe that Christ is you know that He's the right way um, I know this to be true and so we kind of walked through the sinner's prayer you know God take come into my heart you know forgive me of my sins and stuff um, so I just kind of use that as my day of dedication to God that that was my my declaration that God my life is yours mm. um, or at least acknowledging that God is who he says he is, and he did what he did in my life. Um, So that church, it it played a part in my life, and it was an important role. Um, It was what I would classify, or I think culture would classify as a very, um, we'll just say it was like a legalistic church, or at least that's how it came off to me. Um, I was there for a couple years and I just got that sense, maybe it was the struggles in my own life with porn um, and that self-worth that just whenever I, I would sin, I would feel that grunge on me of sin, that dirt, um, and I wouldn't feel worthwhile. Um, and I was just talking with you guys about this, but I remember one night having this really intense experience, which was... I, it was probably the Holy Spirit, you know, coming upon me, just saying, like, you know, and, hey, you need to get your life right. Um, and I took it as, oh, man, I'm going to hell because I keep sinning. You know, like, this is, this is terrible. So I was using scriptures like the devil would to kind of shame myself. Um, and so... I, I was just crying out to God and, and saying, like, God, I don't, you know, don't want to go to hell. But if I if I have to go to hell and that's my, my place, then you know, I hope others, uh, my my life, I can help others be saved and they they can go to heaven. Uh, so I had to work through those in the next couple of days. I, I kind of came to that realization that no, I'm I'm saved. You know, I worked through it with uh, one of my other really good friends that I've I've met, and um, you know, just came to the understanding that God was working through me to say, this is important to get over this, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, having that real intense encounter with with God's spirit, you know, bringing that brimstone and fire on me, that um, was a good thing. Um, it it kind of it jarred me. Mm-hmm. So all that leads up to basically me going to college. Don't have any clue what I want to really do. I liked my high school teachers, was like, man, I could affect people's lives for good being a teacher, Um, so why not be a a history teacher? I really like it, and um, so that's what I kind of went into college thinking I was going to do. I'm going to go get a degree in history. Um, Got into college and soon after found out that that's not what I wanted to do, (laughs) <laughs> Not because I don't like history, but because <laughs> my professors made history boring. Like it was just like, oh man, like just like breathe or something while you're talking. like this is, this is awful. Um, I, but I, I will say going into college kind of, it, it shocked me to really understand how unprepared I was personally for the real world even college, like high school didn't prepare me for college. Um, And, and like, again, nothing against my, my parents, they, they prepared me in some way, but like certain things, like I didn't know how to do my taxes. I didn't know how to, um, to do all these things. Like I didn't have really a goal in my life. I didn't have like this determined path that I was on to say like, Oh yeah, I, I really like carpentry. I should go do that you know, or, Oh yeah, I like this. I always thought, you know, Hey, I like sports. I should go into sports, but I was never encouraged in that. I was always told to get a job, you know, (laughs) like, so I, I mean, there were so many paths I probably could have gone down, but I never had that mind to kind of look outside of that. You know, some people for them it probably is like, well, why didn't you look here? Why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do that? That that, those things never came to my mind. Mm -hmm. I never had conversations with people where I got connected I was twenty eight when that type of stuff started happening in my life. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so I'm I'm like sitting here thinking, what am I gonna do when I grow up, you know? And I'm like, I am grown up. Like what am I gonna do now? So so I get to college and, you know, I take that first year and the first year is all really the crappy classes. You know, you don't need most of those classes. It's like expert literature and stuff or, you know, forensic audits of chemistry and stuff. And you're just like these weird, you know, calculations and stuff. I don't really need them. You're just trying to siphon more money out of me for the first year or two of my college career. Get me in the classes I want to be in. So any history class I had, which I think I had about four or five, I just, I, I, it, was, it was a drawl. Like I didn't like it. To me, it became like math or science. I was like, these things aren't exciting to me. History is the only uh, class that I failed when I was uh,
1: in college. Really? Yeah. You know, it's because I didn't. I didn't. I hated it that yes. much. I hated it so much. I didn't buy like this eighty dollars book that I needed to do my oh. final my finals report <laughs> on because I knew I was dropping out anyway. That's truly the real reason why I quit. But it was, or you know. Or,
0: or failed, you yeah. mm-hmm. <clears throat> know, but <Yeah. laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in there, you know. <laughs> well, and, and again, like, again, college came, uh, first year, like, I, I, still got about the same grades that I did in high school. I, I ended up being like a 3.4 average total in college, but that first year I really struggled because I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up, right? Um, so I was taking like psychology and stuff like this. I'm like, come on, man, I don't need psychology to be a history major. Uh, So those classes didn't really resonate with me. There were certain things like reading Plato and stuff. And I liked those things, but it it just wasn't really there for me. Um, Now, this is kind of early on in my Christian walk. I started developing and really um, falling in love with God and, and, and really seeking after him and um, got to, the, the the college I went to is a small Christian college, um, Bethel College. It's like five minutes away from Notre Dame. Um, and they had chapel services and stuff and got a good group of friends. And we just really were like seeking after God and everything. And like at the end, towards the end of the first year, um, just praying with this one guy and he kind of asked me, he's like, are you sure you're supposed to be a teacher? Um, and like immediately I knew, like I had the call of my life to go into ministry. Hmm. Um, and so here I am like, oh, I need to change what I'm doing because I just realized that history wasn't for me. Um, not that I still can't enjoy it or whatever, but being a history teacher wasn't it for me. So I changed my major to religion and philosophy with a focus on youth ministry because I, I was just coming out of helping youth ministries. Like that's, uh, you know, I was in a youth ministry for a couple years, but then I transitioned after I graduated to helping out at, at youth ministries. Um, and so I was like, oh, yeah, I really like working with youth. I, I like connecting with them. Uh, so I thought they were more vibrant than the older church. You know, they like to go out and do similar things than me. And now I'm probably part of that older church. Um, But uh, so at the time I was like, yeah, let's get into youth ministry. So I really started diving into that um, and really found out that I wasn't really prepared for that as well. Again, all these people that were coming into the youth ministry degree at that college, they had connections to this college. They knew like the professors that were there knew these kids. As they were growing up, they knew of their fathers and the connections they had. So they they were already in line for like a, a position at those churches or like to open up their own churches and stuff. And so again, I I feel like a lot of times completely coming in fresh as a newer Christian and like really trying to, oh, let's let's go in this area I feel God has called me to. I feel like A lot of the professors, they started to overlook me. Like, i try to go and be like, hey, is there any jobs available? What ones would you suggest? Where would I go? Uh, And it would just be like, oh, well, Mm -hmm. I post jobs up on the board over there. But then I'd see them having, like, these other conversations with people about, oh, yeah, you really, you know, this church is really cool if you work with them. Yeah, yeah, I know this person here. And, like, uh, you know, your dad is kind of connected in this way. So I'd see these interactions, and I'd be like, well, where, where's my connection? You know, where's my foot in the door? Mm-hmm. And so, again, it was another thing in my mind where it was like I'm not getting that same opportunity as, as that person. I'm being overlooked. Um, uh, so that's kind of my ministry profession kind of uh, testimony in college. Going back to my relational status, like I said, never had a girlfriend up until – Like the end, about the end of my first year of college, um, because I struggled with porn and it was something that I hadn't fully overcome, um, got into my first relationship with this girl and it was a good relationship. And then it turned sour basically because me and her started going a little bit further than we should have. Um, we did not, consummate our relationship uh, we didn't have sex but uh you know we went further than what we should have mm. and i knew it wasn't right god kind of put that presence on our relationship that i needed to end it um and so it just kind of ended um we got closure on that and you know talked to her about it and asked her for forgiveness for stuff and pressuring the relationship in a way it shouldn't have gone and, you know, she forgave me and she said, you know, she also was asked for forgiveness for me and stuff. But, uh, it, you know, I learned a lot from that. I, I wasn't mature um, in that relationship. And uh, I think God really showed me to be careful to seek something that you really want if your heart still isn't towards God. And, you know, to make sure your heart is on God before you uh, go into a relationship and when you get into one. Um, Because it's very easy for your eyes to slide, for your heart to slide. Um, Didn't have another relationship for a couple of years. Um, Ended up dating another girl. And this one was kind of hard because our relationship seemed good. Uh, Then it got to a point where I noticed that she was kind of hovering over her cell phone and was very protective of it. I confronted her about it one time when she came to visit me at work. Um, And then she kind of, you know, was like, all right, and then walked away um, and ended up coming to find out that her ex-boyfriend, she was texting behind my back (laughs) while we were dating, and I don't think the relationship ever really ended in the sense that, They broke up, but they never had that closure. They were still kind of working things out. And I kind of became the rebound, which she thought that she was over him, but she wasn't. And so she got in a relationship before she should have.
1: And this is Mm -hmm. stuff she
0: had told me. Like, we talked about it afterwards. But anyways, it it really hurt because I thought, you know, oh, well, this relationship has been better than the last. It seems to be on a good path. so God took that relationship out of the equation. Um, you know, again, I don't hold anything against her. We talked about it. Um, then in my Christian walk, I kind of went through a couple different churches at this point. Went from my Baptist church that I felt was getting too legalistic to a different Baptist church, which I was there for about a year helping out at their youth ministry. Um I You know, as a youth ministry major, you're supposed to have an internship, right? Like every place, you know, every degree has an internship. Um, well, I came to find out that internship for a lot of Christian churches was just like a regular volunteer on a Sunday service. If you volunteer at church uh, to help out with the youth ministry, that's what an internship to a lot of these youth pastors meant. It's not what I thought it was. I thought it was them trying to build me up into becoming a pastor I just felt like I was a, um, a regular helper. I I wasn't like given ideas or things to run. Um, so again, didn't feel like I was really being invested in by somebody who should have been investing in me. Um, so this church, again, it was a bigger church. Um, they were a Baptist church, but it really felt like a business model of church. Um, like the guy even says in his testimony as a pastor that he had a choice between being a salesman and going into the church, and I feel some of that sales oriented um man came out in him um so it just felt very businessy, kind of like a you know if a car dealership was operating a church um mm-hmm you know, just expanding the walls of the church and everything and just kind of how they operate. Not that, again, that they're not that necessarily they're not saving lives for the kingdom and stuff. That's just kind of how it felt for me. So then I started going to a missionary church, which I felt like was a more lighthearted Baptist church. Um, so by that, I mean, coming from the legalistic and the businessy model, this was more of a, a come-as-you-are type model. Um it kind of seemed almost very similar to the Baptist church, um, but just a little bit different, um, a little bit more open. Um, so something I was used to, but a little bit different. After that, uh, that, that basically took me to the end of, of my college years uh, going to that church. Um, also, while I was in um, my college mm-hmm. years, I did a couple um I did a relief mission to Biloxi, Mississippi for Hurricane Katrina. This was about like three years after. Um, and that was a really cool experience um, to get to kind of do a, a local or a domestic um, uh, missions trip. Then my junior year, I went to a place called Face-to-Face Missions, which is based out of Keystone, South Dakota. Um that is kind of a branch off of the keystone project um, which is something that's really cool if you guys ever get a chance to go out to mount rushmore and you pass through the little town of keystone uh, there is this huge building that's being built on top of a mountain and it's like the two things you can see from like uh, a mountaintop there is like mount rushmore and this building and it's a missions building where Mm -hmm. Basically, all these leaders from the churches around the world come and learn about discipleship, uh, generational discipleship. And face-to-face missions was a little facet of that um, where it's basically living with people from different cultures who come to work in Keystone. And you're just investing in them and, and the word of God and trying to reach them. And make disciples out of them, so that they can go back to where they live and make disciples, and so on and so forth. Um, and it was probably one of the, it was one of the best times in my life. I was living with a group of Christians who met on a regular basis, really trying to win people for for Christ. And it was an amazing experience um, just to try to worship God purely um, in action and and. Like, actual worship, like, when we got together, it was, like, unhinged worship. Um, So we even got to, like, wash each other's feet one night. And that's something that's really cool. Um, Because it's something that's gross. It's considered gross, right? We're washing other people's feet. But, like... That's why they even did it back in the day. It was even worse in the day because everyone wore sandals, so feet were dirty. But I thought that was a cool experience. So I got to experience all these cool things. Um, you know, coming out of my Baptist background and cessation background, um, I never really came from a charismatic Pentecostal background. But as I grew in my faith and read the scriptures very quickly came to realize that spiritual gifts are still alive like, and they still do happen. And so I had a couple encounters with the Holy Spirit where I just was uncontrollably shaking. Um, and I say this, when, you know, I don't say it with hesitancy now, but my former me would say it with hesitancy because, again, coming from a background where people think, well, uh, it was just fake or it was or it's demonic. Yeah, it's demonic or it's it's not. It's not real. I, I understand the caution that people have because people misuse gifts. You can have spiritual gifts and not be a believer, and you're out there doing stuff. You can be a believer, and maybe you're using them wrong, or maybe you have a gift and you're just not using it right. So I understand that because I do think that happens in the church, but at the same time... We're, we're afraid of what we
1: don't understand. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I'm sorry, but, you know, we, we can learn a lot about God with the Bible, but Mm -hmm. There's always going to be things that we don't fully understand. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Bible talks about the mystery of God, the mysteries of God, the mysteries. I mean, Paul's vision of heaven, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't even reveal these things, like these mysteries. Mm -hmm. And like, there's things, you know, about God. There's things and experiences that are still mysterious to us. And that can make us uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But that's our flesh. Mm -hmm. you know die Mm -hmm. to ourselves you know Mm -hmm.
0: anyway and and that's that's exactly (laughs) what it was I I came into college and I was just like I I had somebody pray over me in tongues I had uh, dealt with people who have had like evil spirits upon them Um, not like these were like I didn't have like a thousand of these encounters I just have had a couple of them in my life so this isn't to say we're like I've had a Paul experience where God has like knocked me off a horse and I'm blind. You know, I've, I've had, I just know in those times, those two days in South Dakota where I was shaking uncontrollably, it was something that came over me and I've never had that before. And I've never had it really since. Hmm. And it was just, it, it was in a, a weird time. And I remember someone telling me that it was like, you know, cause we were praying for the, the spirit to fall on people and stuff. And so that, that was kind of, I, I would consider probably my baptism of, of the spirit was then. Mm. It'd be interesting. So
1: <clears throat> what was like, what was your fruit afterwards? I feel like there might be some listeners out there who are hesitant about that, or maybe mm. even cessationists listening, um, or people who believe that those are counterfeit spirits. And I you, Mark, you know, you talked in your testimony about seeing, uh, um, like heavenly laughter, mm-hmm. and I've felt weird seeing that at mm-hmm. times. Um, there's just times where you where you look at something and you don't fully understand it. Um, and you know, some people would argue that you know God gives us a spirit of self control, mm-hmm. and so anytime that you're shaking uncontrollably or laughing uncontrollably, that that's not us having self control, and that that doesn't come from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Now. I have my beliefs on it, you know, Mm -hmm. and I've seen it and I've seen people like changed afterwards. And it's like, that's why I don't believe that they're counterfeit. Mm -hmm. You know, I see Mm -hmm. the change that people uh, go through. You know, if if it was a counterfeit spirit, if it was a demonic spirit. Well, that what does Satan do? He comes to, you know, kill, steal and destroy. Mm -hmm. He comes to grab a foothold on you in some way. So, yeah, describe kind of what, what you felt. I'm sure you were maybe getting to that in the story anyway, but I wanted to just pause and just talk about that for a moment mm. because uh, it came up both in your
0: test, both of your testimonies. So for me, it was it, it was just like a moment of compassion. Um, I think there was this, It was like God affirming you? Yeah, like... We, I mean, they ended up praying over me in the circle saying, you know, they wanted me to be baptized and stuff. And I, I, I feel like that was the point where I was because we were kind of at, it's hard to remember exactly the circumstances around it, but I just remember kind of, I think there was like a a block with they were talking about like we, they wanted God to like really come down and stuff. And um, I can't remember if there were a couple people like, we were getting into an argument about something at the time, but I had that shaking and it was just this compassion to basically be like, guys, you just, you know, we need to calm down here. Um, and so I don't know. It was just um, the whole experience out there kind of, you know, changed my view on some stuff. And um, it, it just, I guess my heart again, continued to grow for, for wanting to see the people of God, you know, come um, and realizing that it's not about me and, like, what I'm comfortable with or, like, the control I think I have or even me reaching someone, like, it, it's all about God. And, like, mm. he's the person that's going to reach. Um, so, like, I had this guy out there, um, Nick, mm. who i re- he was kind of, like, my target guy. And, like, the whole summer I had, like, kind of presented the gospel a couple times to him and stuff. And one day I was like, you know what? We, Me and him and a couple other guys always traveled with each other. And one day I was like, you know what, why don't we go hiking together, just you and me. And we went up and we hiked up on the top of this mountain, and there was a, a psalm um, that David wrote. Uh, and I can't remember exactly which one it was, but I just opened up to it, and I was reading out of it. And it was talking about God being a mighty fortress and stuff, and, and that he's like a rock, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we're on top Is that of this that Psalm mountain. 91? I mean, way. I know he I think I know David talked about it yeah. quite a bit, you yeah. know, in, in other in other Psalms
1: too, but I think Psalm ninety one talks about
0: that. But he's so we're sitting on this mountain and I'm talking about this and then I read that and then we're just sitting there quiet and then all of a sudden he turns to me and he goes, in broken English, tells me, you know, I I, I look at the sky and I look at the rivers and I look at these trees. It's like I see how big this universe is. And I see how small I am in it. And I think I begin to believe that there is a God, Mm. you know, and it was like at that Mm. moment that God really lifted my eyes to see like, it's nothing that I am doing. That's helping this guy. (laughs) Like, I mean, in a sense, he used me to bring the gospel and to kind of, you know, help, help him to that path. But it was God and his working on that guy's soul and, and showing him um, you know, this is a guy that may have never had the gospel presented to him until he came over here or yeah. talked about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So for him to have that transformation, you know, over that summer, that's really cool. Um, it's one of the greatest things to feel to, and, or like to see
1: happen is someone like, like the veil being lifted.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one thing you guys got to know too, is again, in my walk, um, <clears throat> I have just now come to a point in the last couple of years where I'm really trying to step into the spiritual realm of Christianity, mm-hmm. uh, not that I'm going and looking for. Like if some people hear that and they don't know what I'm saying. They're probably like, "Oh, he's getting a Ouija board and all this stuff." No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, not the and stuff. Yeah, man. yeah. No, what I'm talking about is is there is a spiritual side. The Bible talks about this in spiritual gifts, and I'm trying to figure out what mine is, which I believe one of them is teaching. If there was one I had to rest my hat on, I think that's it. Mm. If if talking is a spiritual gift, that would be (laughs) another one. I'm sure some people would say that. Um, But, you know, exhortation, these things, trying to figure out what that is. Uh, I've taken spiritual tests before. The first one I took, I think it was prophecy and compassion were Mm -hmm. like the two things um, that came up. Um, So you know, I would say like for my wife, it's probably hospitality. You know, she loves like trying to, to, to make people feel good. Um, and so like that, that's so back in the, you know, asking me like what fruits came of it and stuff. It's hard to know because back then I was still coming out of my cessation beliefs. (laughs) Like I had this understanding that spiritual gifts existed. I, I, encountered them, but I have no reference. I think reference you, offs. I
1: think you answered it, you know, when you, yeah. when you said like, <clears throat> I felt like you answered my question when you said, um, you like every, like God is everything. Like God does it all. Hmm. And it's like, <clears throat> like we, and I've actually said this before too, in my arguments or debates or, you know, whatever theological standpoints on, on some of these things that happen. And I, I think it's the, the situations that God, <clears throat> I mean, it's just his manif- it's just manifestation it's how our body reacts to it mm-hmm. really and, and we react to it in different ways because we're you know we're people we're weird too you know mm-hmm. we're weird you know we hold ourselves back and we hold um, you know we close ourselves off to the movement of the spirit sometimes but God just breaks through that sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. and he does that to teach us things or show us things I mean, it's not always just in healing someone else because you know we're you know we, we struggle with the sin of being cowards mm-hmm. I think all Christians mm-hmm. do and and you know that's We do. I mean, some people are bold, you know. There's, Mm -hmm. there's, of course, there's the Pauls out there, but Samson, the Samson, you know, yeah. (laughs) He had other, he had other sin issues, you know. Yeah. But um, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that like every Christian has like a a spirit. Like I don't think Francis Chan does either, you know, the way he talks about it. But,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. but like cowardice and 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 sometimes God just wants us to experience just Him, and and, like Mm -hmm. and our bodies move or we we move we react we
0: mm-hmm.
1: we fall over we pass out we lay mm-hmm. down on the floor we you know we 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 get scared too mm-hmm. so you know when sometimes with the glory when god's glory fills a room you, know, you get you sometimes you have that fear of the lord mm-hmm. and that's okay too you know we don't need to hide run and hide from god yeah mm-hmm. he lives within us so but we still will yeah on this side
0: of the <laughs> on this side you know well even we we think about you know every believer has a different gift right he talks about we've kind of come back to this regularly in our meetings and stuff about every person is a member of the body of christ and serves its own purpose mm. so why wouldn't that be true with spiritual gifts too or even when god comes and interacts with us we're, we're his personal child you know like mm. We have a personal relationship with him. Why wouldn't he come and interact with us in in different ways? The ways he knows is going to affect us, you know, that's different for you guys. That's different for me. Mm -hmm. So what may be like a fireball feeling in your gut, Mm -hmm. you know, in Hawaii on a a mountain. (laughs) Australia. Yeah, Australia. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Like the... The, what was it? The God's eye Bay or whatever you were at. The beauty. <laughs> Byron Bay. Yeah. Byron Bay. Uh, you know, like the most beautiful place on earth, uh, the ends of the earth, yeah. right? It's the ends of the uh, And for me, it was, you know, this uncontrollable shaking feeling. It was, it was as intense as the interaction I had of that, of God's spirit falling on me saying, you know, you need to change your life. You need to get this, this seed out of your life of, of pornography. Um, And I've had, you know, I don't want to say feelings because people misinterpret that and say, oh, yeah, he's had feelings. So it's not really necessarily spirit. But there are these times where you get this sense that you don't normally have that just comes up like your spirit uh, boils up or or like a spring. I think the scriptures say Mm. it's like the spirit boils up in you. Um, not boils, but yeah, it bubbles up. Comes up, up. yeah.
1: Bubbles. Does it say bubbles up?
0: Um, I think it just says comes, springs up, It springs up in, it you. It springs springs up in you. you, and then he overflows. Um, That's it. And and I've had those inner interactions when I'm, you know, may, maybe talking to somebody or, you know, I told you guys at one of our meetings when I was we were praying over a, a guy there, and I was speaking identity into him, identity in Christ, and I just got that feeling. Um, in my, as the scriptures would say, in my loins. I mm-hmm. knew it was, um, it, it was something different in that. Um, and so I, I haven't necessarily had like thousands of these things. Mm-hmm. Like when we look at the Bible and we see the book of Acts and stuff, and we think literally every moment of their, their day was, you know, spiritual healings and speaking in tongues and prophecies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had their down times. They, they, mm-hmm. they were eating, they were going about doing this and that. And Um, but, you know, these are just kind of moments I know that it it was something different. It was a movement of God. Um, and it's weird because looking back on this and stuff now, and and as I'm, you know, developing in Christ and learning these things, it's interesting to look back and even now introspectively seeing, um, these things as you tell your story and and learning, oh yeah, that was God or, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, I think this is now from my understanding what that was. Mm -hmm. Um, Due to the length of this session, we decided to break this episode into two parts. We will continue our topic on the next installment. Thanks for listening to today's podcast episode. If you've enjoyed it, please click the like and share buttons on whichever platform you are on, and you can also follow us on MeWe, Twitter, and Facebook. We hope you had a blessed time and the conversation brought some joy into your life. Have a blessed day and join us next time on the Heart of the Matter podcast.